AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the home integration community for the home integration community. My name is Jeff Hayward, and in this show, we're exploring the sometimes thorny topic of design and documentation. What are the benefits of doing design and documentation well? How do you get started? And what should you include? Welcome to The Integrated Home. DBM delivers experiences that go beyond the ordinary and suspend reality. From powerful loudspeakers to state-of-the-art projection systems, and from high-quality processors to exceptional acoustic treatment solutions and screens, DBM partners with pioneering brands, including Barco Residential, Complete Acoustic Treatment Systems, Display Technologies, Trinov, Waterfall Audio and Meridian Audio. We give you the very best high-performance products for your home cinema projects. Like you, we're committed to achieving excellence. Visit distributedbym.com to find out more. Today, we're joined by John Schaffer of Lighthouse AV and Stephen Neverson of Intuitive Homes. Can you just give us a little bit of background on you and your companies? John, you go first. Sure. Um... So John Schaffer, I'm from Lighthouse. Uh, I've been running Lighthouse for about three years now. Uh, previous to that, it was seven years in the industry for a couple of other companies. And previous to that, I was an electrical engineer working for Thames Water on not so glamorous sewage sites. So <laughs> come, come a little way since then, but um, always had a love for all things automation and entertainment, really. So if you find yourself knee deep in the brown stuff, you're familiar with that on a site, are you? Yeah, I mean, my nose is well catered for it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And whereabouts are you based, John? Uh, I'm in Surrey, uh, right, well, on the border of Surrey and southwest London in Surbiton. Excellent. And doing integrated homes, home cinemas, the whole kit and caboodle? Yeah, the the whole usual works you see from a smart home installer in the in the high-res industry. Um yeah. And Stephen, do you want to just give us a, a quick introduction to you and Intuitive Homes? Yeah, so we are a uh, residential integrator in the south of Manchester. Uh, we specialise pretty much exclusively in high-end uh, integrated homes. So we cover the, the whole spectrum of uh, audio, video distribution, control systems, uh, lighting, home cinema. Uh, I also integrate with, with other specialist services uh, on the site, such as the, the alarms and, and access control, things like that. And you collaborate quite closely with Oliver Hall at Ultimation, is that right? Yeah, so we, um, as, as I think you already know from uh, where we enter awards and things like that, I, I met Oliver on a site that we were uh, we were put together on by, by Crestron probably 10 years ago now, uh, which was a, a rescue job for a client who wasn't having a great experience and, and uh, we were asked to sort of step in and take over. Uh, and since then, we, we really hit it off and, and complement each other really well. Uh, and so whilst it's probably unusual for two 
technical technically uh competitors to be working together um we we sort of design and and, uh, and implement and deliver all of our all of our sort of large projects together um and it's been it's been great for for all aspects of our businesses i think and it, it really you know it's nice to have someone else there to to scratch your head with on the on the problems when you have those or or also to, to push each other to feel like we could improve on things as well and how does that work in terms of design documentation does he does he cast a critical eye over all your stuff oh absolutely yeah so <laughs> all of us are driving forth behind um behind lots of the lots of the good ideas in in some of the documentation things so we we've got quite a nice split of how things work now so um i think uh, in terms of our documentation we we do um we do drawings schedules schematics uh, there's assorted calculations data sheets and things like that uh, and we've kind of got into a flow of we know what the checklist of of, uh, of deliverables are for for any project and at what stage of the project uh, and, and different people do different aspects of those and we've, we've kind of uh, you know honed that o- over time so i'll do the autocad stuff and the and the drawings that will get handed on um, michael look at uh, putting some of those things into into schedules where we try and uh, replicate that information into a more concise two or three page document um mike also uh, from automation will will do sort of our our fancy schematics so we we know where where every single connection is um and uh, and yeah it all, all works really well now we're we're, we're trying to improve on the, these things all the time you know we we uh we only recently changed how we how we actually do our our plan drawings and and the cable information that is in on there and, and specifically um, which we, we can perhaps get into later, but but sort of cable labelling and, and and that kind of stuff. Because um, whilst we were uh, on paper, we had everything on on the drawing, so we could say you know there is absolutely no problem with no one should no one should have a problem knowing what cable's going where, what the reference is, what height it's at, everything like that. Um, but we were finding that that sometimes on site. Uh, maybe the, the people that we'd worked with or, or whoever was putting the cables in from you know another contractor or something like that there was just too much information density so we we looked at that and said you know it's fine to look back and say well you knew you knew what was meant to be there it's all, all on the drawings uh that's it's a lot easier just to get it right first time so you know we went through a process uh through lockdown really when when we had a little bit of breathing space to, to review and say okay starting from scratch with with everything that we know now uh without everything you know in a bubble and thinking it's going to be perfect conditions for everything all the time realistically what is going to give us the best chance of getting everything right first time and, and make life easy for the guys on site and so we we sort of went back with with that, that aspect of it the drawing side we went back and, and redesigned how we did things and we've we've issued sort of three or four sets of drawings for projects now and, and it's worked really well so pretty all-consuming does that sound familiar to you john oh definitely i think um one of the main things with design and documentation and the way that you do it is it's always going to be a work in progress. <laughs> you're, you're always going to find new ways of um, making the workflow easier for yourself and for the, for the engineers on site. Obviously, you, you do find a sort of reference template for the way of doing things, but I think it's in our nature as engineers to always want to, to improve and update. Indeed. And uh, Stephen, we talked about drawings schedules schematics what what else might you include that 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 makes it comprehensive yeah so obviously um projects can differ in terms of the the level of, of things that are required but but we would always have we'd have plan drawings 
Um, we might have detailed plans for if it's a, a cinema room or something like that, where um, where we we've got a lot of information on. Um, we do elevations for things like the TV installations, so we know exactly where uh, sockets are going to go. Anything that that we have a requirement or a crossover with with another contractor or another specialist, we we want to um, at least provide a starting point for discussion on on where their things might go. You know, maybe, maybe they haven't thought about it or think we'll sort that out on site. Whereas if we can document things even that aren't within our remit um it does tend to get that conversation going and, and then they say oh actually i can't put that there because our, our our piece of kit is three times the size of that or or so on um we'll do calculations obviously for uh, for for cinema design for for spl levels and, and for things like that um we do detailed schematics so we've got uh the schematics end up being quite a large, um, quite a large, many sheets in terms of we've got schematics for the networking, for the video distribution, audio distribution, for the control side of things. Try, we try and uh, get everything onto sort of single sheets in terms of um, for the overview things. Then we have separate sheets for, for the rooms and 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 it, it is it is uh, it is so important. You know, got I was even just doing some remote uh, diagnostics or something last night and. And just just trying to remember where an IR emitter was wired was it was it wired through the uh, through the video distribution system or was it from a local thing and, and you in the moment you you think oh I'll definitely remember that but without the kind of documentation and and, uh, and making sure those documents are updated uh, you know can make things incredibly difficult later on so um, we also do a, a, a comprehensive data sheet uh, which is another thing actually on, on our list to sort of uh, go back and have a look at the actual format of it, but essentially the data sheet is, you know, every login, every every piece of equipment listed out, where where it is on the network, uh, what the, the the login details are for it, um, where we've got RFIDs and things like that, things with, within sort of uh, the specialist control systems, you know, the the, the Crestron integration IDs or the, the Lutron IDs, things like that. That's one large data sheet, which which is effectively. Um, should have everything on it that you need to, to to get access to the various equipment when you've got an engineer on site, um, and um, and yeah, there's you know there's there's specific schedules come into it that that might be needed in in uh, in certain cases. You know, we have keypad schedules. We can do uh, the, like the engraving reports uh, for for getting clients to think about what they might want to do with regards to um, with regards to lighting scenes or specific buttons, um, and. And anything that we've done that is a, a first time that we've created something that we find useful, then that that ends up being becoming part of our our sort of standard offering that that we say, well, that's a great thing we've done. We should do that on every project. That would be useful each time. Wow, I mean, it all sounds pretty daunting to me just listening to Stephen there, John. Um, how was it for you when you started out? You must have thought, gee, blank sheet of paper. Where on earth do you begin? Yeah, I mean, it is it is a very daunting process at the start, especially if you haven't had any prior experience in drawing software or um, Excel spreadsheets or anything like that. Um, it's also a case of having um, feeling that immense pressure of the task ahead. So you know there's a lot of information that you need to get in there and it's going to be time consuming. So it's one of those things that you can put off and not put pen to paper, but the sooner you start doing it and the sooner you start working on your different methods of putting information together, 
the sooner you're going to get a better result out of the end of it. And presumably, the more you do it, the easier it gets, right? A hundred percent. I mean, it's like like with anything, um, you're only going to grow with experience. And as I say, you you're constantly changing the way that you present your information um, based on feedback from the people using the information. And it's really important to to make sure that the information is relevant to the person that's going to use it. Because, for, for example, with uh, lighting engraving. If you're just presenting that information to a client on a spreadsheet and they've got, say, 52 keypads around the home, then that probably isn't the best way to get an accurate response from them because they're not going to want to trudge through a complicated Excel spreadsheet. So either presenting them to them in you know a picture format of the look of the actual keypad and they can just tick it off and sign off each one by room or in the case that most clients don't actually decide until they live in the home and you put a temporary label on. Um, that, that's just one example of, say, a client-facing document, but it goes back to engineers and what Stephen was saying, how you know he found that it was information overload for the people on the job. Quite, that is quite can quite often be the case when you first start out, is that you kind of over-engineer your drawings a little bit, um, and it's choosing to present the right information to the right people in the right way. And what do you work with, John? Yeah, so I use I use AutoCAD for any um, scaled drawings. Um, so anything that needs to be accurate and also use it for schematics. Um, and then SketchUp for any sort of detailed renders or anything like that. But um, Originally, when I started out, it was, I mean, then you've got engineer documentation, which is in an Excel format. And that was how I started out, even for, um, you know, cable schedules and basic information was just on Excel. And then went over to Visio because Visio was a, a little bit more of a drag and drop template, but found with Visio that I wasn't um, the workflow wasn't efficient all the way through a project and that was where I honed in on AutoCAD because um, just found that it's the best program to be able to deliver throughout the whole project and it's also what other stakeholders in the project use such as architects and interior designers um, so I think it's important I know that there's lots of other software out there um, I think for anyone looking to use the software it's important to just look at your end goal and ensure that whatever you use can complement each other uh, from tra the transfer of information so i mean for, for for us for instance autocad will will assist us in the quoting software because every single symbol on a drawing will can then be easily exported into an Excel spreadsheet to give us a total number of points, a total number of data points, total number of TV points and the type. And then that's easily pluggable into our estimating software. Um, and then once the job gets signed off um, and we get our design fee, then we can start adding that higher level of information there, such as cable IDs and um, then the cable schedule, et cetera. So it's, it's finding something that, that is, you, you, the thing is with design and documentation, it's a mammoth task anyway, so you don't want to be going back and doing anything twice. Indeed, indeed. And Stephen, what, what would typically 
stop integrators from doing it? Is it just the size of the task itself? Um, I think I think what John said, where you know, it's almost like you get at the start if you if you don't have a process in place and and you are sort of coming at this uh, for the first time, uh, it can be just incredibly daunting. And you know, there's plenty of things where I feel paralysis on where on earth do you start? You know, it's like I just I'll have another coffee and have a think about it and start in half an hour but um i think i think it can be uh it can be very daunting but i think you really just have to sit down and start and, and even if that is uh you know just sketching things out on a piece of paper and thinking what information would i need to to actually deliver this project you know starting from we'll put some 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 speakers and some uh, uh and some tv points on a drawing and, and expand from there and and we're in a similar kind of situation, you know. We, we use AutoCAD for drawings. We use um, we use Visio for the schematics. Um, uh, well, actually, Mike uses Video uh, Visio for the schematics. I'm I'm terrible at Visio, but it amazes me how quickly he can he can turn uh, these these giant documents around. But I think we've tried different things uh, over the years, and and you'll you'll find, as John says, you'll find what works uh, in your workflow and what, what you're efficient with, you know, we've got standardized, uh, keys and, and, and all the parts that we've drawn from previous jobs in, in our AutoCAD drawings. So, um, we can, we can start with a, we have a template, which obviously has our viewports, which, which creates our, which, you know, we have like a blank drawing that already has all the key and everything like that populated in. So you just duplicate that several times, you know, duplicate it three times and you've got your basement ground and, and, uh, and first four blank drawings. Uh, we then have in the, in the sort of, uh, around where you can't see in the, in the model space on the AutoCAD drawing, we've got all sorts of, uh, um, uh, bits of things that we've done previously, either, either cinema designs or, or TV elevations. And we've actually got sort of a, a CAD drawing that, that we just sat down and realized it was worth doing probably once a year when the new ranges of TVs come out, which is effectively um, has got about 10, 10 TVs on it of the, of the models that we tend to, you know, we tend to specify uh, for a long time. We were specifying mainly the Sony TVs because they had great integration and, and the picture quality was amazing. So we just went through the, the, the five or six different sizes of TVs and created a, uh, an elevation for if, if the architect wanted a, uh, a recess set out. So we'd have the Sony TV, we'd, we'd get the uh, like places like Future Automation, who we used for a lot of our um, uh, mechanisms and, and, uh, and, and um, brackets and things like that. They have the, the CAD files, the DWG files that you can download from their website. So we, we drag all of these things in and you can spend a few hours creating uh, effectively these sort of stock drawings that we can then bring into any projects that we've got for, for the next 12 months until the new range of TVs come out um, and things like that, trying to do something once that you would find useful to repeat uh, is, is really good as well. You know, we've done similar things with our, uh, we still use spreadsheets for, for a lot of our work. Um, maybe not a cluster's documentation, but our, our quotation tool is something that, that we've, we've kind of built up over the last I don't know, six, seven years, and it's got some, you know, again, this is where Oliver is in his element. It's got some crazy macros in there that, that go through and count up cable types and, and, and spit out all sorts of useful internal documentation from, from our, from filling in, you know, our drag and drop uh, um, completion of, of what we're, what we're specifying for the clients. Um, but finding things that you, 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 uh, you get to grips with and, and things that click, uh, I think is, is really important. Okay, and 
all of this, I mean, it, it takes time, right? So, so John, do you actually charge clients for it? And are they understanding of you wanting to charge for, for this sort of service? No, I mean, we, 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 we most definitely charge. Um, we, we won't do a job now without, we, or in fact, we can't do a job if we don't have the design paid for because it does take time. And I think that's what predominantly stops any, any integrators from doing a high level of design because it is so, so time consuming um, and they don't see that they can, they can charge for it or fit it into the model of their business. But it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not like you can just decide one day to start charging if you haven't got that documentation in place or it can, um, you know, it can aid in getting set up. You definitely have to put in the hours to, to sort of start the process and, you know, even if it's even if it's drawing on a piece of paper, just make sure that you've got something there. <laughs> but um, how client, how receptive clients are to it, it's. Um, it, I mean, if it's it's no different, uh, and I know people compare it quite a lot to to the likes of interior designers and architects, because it, they're providing a design service, and we once we, I think what really helps is having the documentation there as an example to show a client of what it is you're going to deliver for that cost because once they start to see the level of detail they 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 get it and if it's you know most of the projects have the budget there to warrant it so we don't generally get too many i, I think it's an initial thing at first they're like well what 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 are we going to get for that amount of money but once you can start once you can show them then they really are receptive to it and it it adds it adds a lot of value to your service as well because like Stephen touched on earlier with certain things like elevations and showing the the layout of the equipment on a wall in a visual way, you can, they can start picturing how the room's going to be and sit and likewise for interior designers, if they haven't gone to the extent yet of doing any elevations, then um, they can start to see any conflicts with furniture and other things like that. Um, so yeah, I think mostly clients are receptive to it once once you have um, shown them what it is that you do because it is it's very comprehensive and yeah even it's it's quite fun sometimes to see how other installers do things and you you really get it. I think just touching on what John was saying there, one of the things that I I am sort of reminded of when John said we find it hard to to do a project without doing the documentation, we actually. Um, we actually find it hard to provide uh, fixed quotes <laughs> without doing uh, the sort of design and documentation. Um, just because we were we were kind of at a point where if you've not if you've not done your schematics and and you've not worked out exactly how everything's going to connect up, uh, you know the very nature of our stuff. Obviously, a lot of it is is sort of the same on on many projects, but uh, the, the nature of custom installation is we, we are trying to to do to do you know we've, we've got clients um briefs that we need to meet and, and we want to to make the most of that so we kind of um look at the design as the first level of commitment from the client uh where we will we will uh we'll go through a process we'll have however meetings it uh, it takes to, to get an idea of what they want we will then use our our sort of tried and tested um uh, budget estimating uh spreadsheet which which was, has has all the sort of automatic calculations in to try and minimize the, the detailed time we have to spend to put together uh, an initial cost 
Um, and you know, we've we've sort of obviously reviewed this every every year, and and it's actually relatively accurate. But that gives us a budget estimate, um, and of that part, we then say, look, the things of this that we can we can pretty pretty accurately uh, price for is you know the the um, we've got a way of working out what we think the infrastructure cabling is going to cost. Uh, you know, they're going to want networking and, and Wi-Fi. They're going to want a, probably a, a Sky Dish and, and the sort of coax distribution, uh, and and the design goes on there as well. And so that's that's effectively our our sort of first fixed quotation that we do, and we say it, the next step then is to to invoice and, and have the, the the full design paid for. And at that point, we can turn the rest of the the, the second half of our quote, which is effectively the, the estimate part of it, where we know how many TVs they want, what kind of cinema they might want, uh, how many rooms of audio, all those other kind of things. And whilst we do the design that uh, produces the infrastructure cabling drawings and all the documentation needed to start with that, that then gets us to the point where we've got schematics for the control systems and for how everything is going to interoperate. And we can make sure that we've not missed out any little black boxes here or there that you know might only be a few hundred pounds on this one or, or 500 pounds on that um but what we're not trying to do is overestimate a fixed quote to make sure we've covered ourselves so we kind of go through a thing with with clients where we'd say you know if if, if you trust us on this estimate we think that's realistic if you trust you know we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the next step and, and do the design documentation for you and along with that, that turns that budget estimate into a fixed quotation where we've probably found some savings in some of the parts. We found out there was a, you know, a, a, a converter that we needed that we, we didn't remember until we until we actually did the schematics. So we find it a sort of an invaluable part of the work. And like John said, we, we can't do a job without the um, without the design documentation. Uh, now, sometimes <laughs> sometimes we'll do the design documentation without having that commitment from the client. Uh, and without having sort of the guarantee that they'll pay for it because, you know, a project might come along that you really do want to, uh, you know, it seems too good to miss and you want to make sure your quotation is going to be, going to be uh, <laughs> accurate. And so we kind of, we kind of do all that and put that to one side and say, you know, one, once we get sign off on this, you know, they'll pay for it. They don't have to know that it's, it's already been done, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it always has to happen one way or another. Yeah, I can I can I can support that more. It's um, one of the things, uh, and I'm sure a lot of integrators have been there. Where at first you you have that um, that element of giving the client too much of your time for free, and that's where people don't go to the level of um, design and documentation because they are doing it too early in the job. So they're and Stephen's so right that you can't provide an accurate quotation without going to the level of design that you do with a paid design service. So you're you're better off having some sort of template for giving the client a budget cost and A, eliminating tire kickers early on and saving you time and B, stressing yourself against not having the time to do the design and documentation. One of the uh, situations I know a number of integrators face is actually going onto a site where they they may be upgrading or taking over work from another integrator who's worked on a site a few years ago, and um, and yeah, sometimes trying to find out where things are or where things have been installed can be a pain in the backside, can it not, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, no, it can, um, and you know, I think the longer you've been in the business, you, you know, you certainly come across. Um, 
you know, takeover jobs, which, which aren't necessarily the most fun because a client can have potentially spent a lot of money already and, and, uh, and not got what they were looking for, or, you know, spent a lot of money five to 10 years ago and, and maybe thought that, that that would last for good. And, and there's, you know, new things have come along. Um, but yeah, we've certainly been there where, whereby we, um, we have been given nothing, you know, uh, we, we deal with, with restaurant systems, um, sort of exclusively on the, on the, on the AV control side. Uh, and you know, we've, we've certainly come to projects where we've not had, we've not got the program either and, and you can't extract a restaurant program. So that, that, that then starts you off with, it's going to be a complete reprogram. Um, but whatever level of documentation or, or not that appears on, on the takeover jobs, we kind of, um, we have to verify all that anyway. So our, our first stage on that is that we would, uh, we would allow for surveys um, where we would test out the cables, check, you know, ideally if you've got a starting place of some documentation, we would, we would transfer all that information into, into the formats that we always use. You know, we, we would hopefully be able to, uh, you know, take the drawings and, and maybe add any of the information that we find is missing from there or, or effectively with our documentation, we, we want to get to the point where when that job's handed over and we, we sort of archive the, the, the stuff on our, on the server and, and, uh, that when we need to go back there, whether it's in, in six months time or, or, you know, uh, years down the road, and it might be an engineer that, that never worked on that job pr previously, but they, they know what to expect when they, uh, when they sort of pull down those files off the server uh, and print out the drawings and, and the documents to take to site that, that is in the same format that they used to, they know exactly how the cable references work and, and all that kind of, that kind of stuff. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, that they're, I think people are getting better and better at it. We see, we see sort of less, less of the completely zero uh, documentation, uh, even if it's just uh, passwords and, and access details for bits of equipment. But, um, but yeah, hopefully everyone's heading in the right direction and seeing, seeing the value in it. Is that your experience, John? Are things getting better? Do you think out there? Um, yeah, the, the, as a whole, I think the the, the industry is getting better at it. Um, Cedia has really helped with all of their education on uh, design processes. And I also, you know, the social media as well with people posting about their design process and documentation, it's, it's helping to raise awareness. Um, don't get me wrong, I've taken on two jobs in the past couple of weeks that have got nothing. Um, oh my gosh, right. <laughs> and the, you know, the clients said, are we, oh, what, what, what was great is where you get the, the the builder or developer saying yeah we had some really good guys install it they just don't um do ongoing service or care and that's that's a big red flag and then you you know the answer to your question when you say have you got the software files or a configuration file with passwords and ip addresses etc the the answer is going to be no and in this case it was um I, th I think more than anything, we have a duty of care or every, anyone that does an installation has a duty of care to the client. You know, it's, it's all well and good at being easy for us taking on a job um, to have all of that information accessible, but ultimately it's the client that it impacts is it's their budget, it's their, their time um, or our time that's going to cost them on a project. And um, yeah, it needs, installers need to, you know, have that due diligence for their clients. You know, it's that typical thing where once you finish a project, do you does does 
is do you keep hold of the software files or do you give them to the client? And the answer is, of course, you give them to the client. It's their system. If they, if for whatever reason they want to choose another installer, then that they're quite within their right to do that. You should never hold a client hostage in their own home because it really doesn't go down well. <laughs> and um, it's just not, not due diligence. You'd agree with that, I'm sure, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we work on the basis that uh, the clients can have absolutely everything. And we, we do sort of a handover pack and a, a CD and, and uh, even for the project last year, um, we actually put together a, a glossy a hardback book, which has all their documentation in and some of the pretty photos from uh, from uh, that we got from, from Jamie Butler Interiors and the Longer Group, who's a developer. Uh, and a sort of architectural practice and, and interior design group that we, we do a lot of work with. Uh, and we just put that together in sort of a nice a nice handover document for them with, with sort of the CD in the back. But I think we work on the on the on the principle that um, they can have absolutely everything because we, we're not worried that they're going to go anywhere else. Um, and, and, you know, we as we haven't had any clients go anywhere else. So I think, you know, those are probably the first the first uh, alarm bells that if you're not going to get any any documentation or, or anything like that at the end of your project, maybe you're not going to get supported that well anyway. I think there's probably a mindset attitude thing going on as well, isn't there? Where some installers are quite happy to just do a job and walk away from it, whereas others like you two are much more thinking about a long-term relationship with a customer and a customer service kind of way of approaching it, service-led way of approaching it. Yeah, I mean, it, work, it works both ways in terms of, you know, the, the job that, that myself and Oliver met on um, 10 years ago, um, we've done, I think, two separate sets of upgrades there, one from sort of uh, a sort of a component video distribution to, to sort of 4K DM distribution, we looked at external buildings, that's still sort of like a great client, but also... Uh, I know lots of people when when you you're doing the work say oh, I've got a friend or something that might like your services and things like that which uh, which can all sound great but it tends not to be immediately after you've you've done the job so if you're looking to keep that happy client it might be two or three years down the line they've got a friend who said I'd love a system like yours how's it been if they say oh it's fantastic and, and we get really well looked after these are the guys you need to speak to then um, you know that's that's probably done more for you than than twelve months worth of marketing budget could. Uh, on people who, who don't have that personal recommendation. I think having that um, short-sighted mindset of not needing to do it um, because you yourself as the installer know how to do it or it's quicker and easier not to do it has such a knock-on effect. It's not it's not a good business model. You know, if you, if you haven't got that documentation there when it comes to the install and the servicing after, it's going to take up so much more of your time. It's <clears throat> going to have such a detrimental effect to any ongoing serviceability um you the the ultimate thing with design and documentation is to make people's lives easier so it's going to make your life easier as an installer it's going to make it easier for the client in the handover period you know if you're not every every client's different in terms of um what they want from handover documentation some still like a traditional uh o&m manual with um how-to guides some clients are quite happy with the training and ongoing support that they get verbally or in person from, from an integrator. Um, there's, you know, there's other ways of doing it. We've, we've started um, using digital user guides where clients have requested. So we're, we're filming how-tos and troubleshooting in their home at the end of a project and then giving them 
access to that in a digital platform. And in return, that saves us time on any service calls for silly questions. Um, so it really does all have a knock-on effect and having that short-sighted attitude is it's ultimately going to come back and bite you and not allow you to, to grow as a business. So uh, what do you find works best for you now, John? Um, so for, for us, it's very similar to Stephen where we will... Um, we have got a template to give them a, a budget proposal based on a, a needs analysis that we've done with the client um, and an intake form, sort of asking them all of the relevant questions that can help us give them uh, a budget quote. Um, we do we do put a bit on top of that so that if they go ahead with the job, that the, it's not you know outrageously out of scope of the original budget. Um, but then once once they've um, bought into our solution because that's ultimately what it is that we're, we're trying to sell ourselves as a solution provider to them first and foremost and then it's on the agreement with the you know them paying for the design and documentation that we will get that project to the level of performance and budget that they require and it just takes the the level of stress off for everyone because you've you've straight away earned their trust once they've you know, signed, signed over the, the agreement for design and documentation and an ongoing relationship. Um, so once that's, once that's paid, then it's a, a case of starting to put together all of the, all of the documentation and um, getting to know everybody else um, involved in the project, all of the other stakeholders and starting to communicate and trade, trade design ideas um, and having a process for, for keeping up to date with that all the way through the project. Um, ultimately it's a, it's, it's having a set set of rules. I mean, like, like you should have for the rest of your business, you should have a set of rules of what you do and how you do it. Um, and we've, you, you develop them over time, but, um, yeah, for us, we, we, we've got a working formula now, um, and look to review it sort of every six months. Um, and do obviously we take notes at the end of each project um, about what worked and what didn't work in, in all aspects of the business but um, predominantly that, that does come down to design and documentation and what should and should be adapted moving forward. Sure. What about you Stephen? What advice would you have if, if you're struggling with the time or the resources to do what's needed? Um. I don't know how you can get around uh, if you think you don't have the time or the resources because um, it, it's because there's no there's no sort of shortcutting to uh, <laughs> to doing some of this. I think in some of the things that I was thinking about, you know, when we were talking about what stops you from doing it uh, and obviously the time and, and demands on those kind of things. And, and, you know, sometimes it can be quite boring as well. Like I was talking about the the creating the schedules from the drawings is, is effectively, you know, data entry work, <laughs> but, but it needs doing. So, um, I don't really know, you know, I think, I think having processes in place where you can make, uh, shortcuts or you can reuse work that you've done, uh, previously, it's that kind of life hack mentality of, of thinking I'd rather, I'd rather do something once, uh, for eight hours and be able to repeat that for an hour each time than, than spend four hours every single time doing it. So if, if there's ways you can, you can make templates, you can do things within within drawings, within spreadsheets um, that will uh, will turn things around quicker at the, at the standard that you want, then, then that's obviously 
uh, something to, to, to look at. So we're talking about people self-teaching, really, aren't we, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, we've not done any uh, official documentation training or, or anything like that. We effectively uh, start off with with the very minimum of what what do we think we need and, and learn learn as you go along. Um, and and I think you, you it's a it's an iterative process of, of finding finding what works and, and always trying to think we could improve on this. Again, that, that what works really well with myself and Oliver is I'm always challenging him on things and, and vice versa and saying, how could we do this better? Um, and, and, and like John said, thinking about the audience for the particular piece of documentation that, that you are that you are doing. So we always try and, and you know, look up, look on site. How are things being used? Even just in this in this last uh, revision of how, how we produce our drawings, we've uh, one of the things that I noticed was that um, we'd see people on site that were putting the cables in or trying to remember what the cable reference was, uh, and they'd, they'd go back to where the big A1 full plan drawing of the, of the property was sort of taped up near the rack room, or they'd be carrying it round and it'd be folded round and, and, it, and it just looked un, unweirdly. So we, we now, we've started issuing drawings. Uh, so a single, a single floor plan will have an A1 drawing for it, and then two or three A3 drawings. It's the same, it's the same drawing, it's just resized uh, so you've got you've got sort of larger and more larger sort of rooms on a, on an A3 drawing, or it's it's more manageable to carry around, so that that can just go into a folder that's that's easily to take take around to the rooms, um, and then we have the the large sort of uh, large drawing pinned up, which which shows shows the the floor as a whole. But just trying to think of things of of, of you know and talking to the installers and finding out what would be useful. That was that was how we sort of changed our. Uh, labeling, um, naming, and things like that in terms of saying what would be useful for when it's being installed, but also for for coming back and uh, and, and servicing the job in in several months' time. I was self-taught on some of the elements such as Visio, and um, I got to a stage where I could use CAD self-taught, but to to really get the best of it and. Um, you know, if you don't have the time and resources when you're starting out, um, which I don't know any integrators who, who would say they have the time to sit and mess around with AutoCAD, there are services out there that can help you and people that can help you. Um, the, I mean, I'm finding the industry is very receptive and open to conversations between integrators at the moment um, about sharing like-minded ideas. And I think that's really important to, to sort of, if you've never been, if you've come through the industry, um, not working for a company that has that design documentation, it can be quite hard to think about what level that you need. Um, so I'd say definitely um, reach out to any other integrators, you know, and just, you know, spark a conversation. Some people might want to hold their, their design and documentation close to their chest, but I'm, you know, I'm really not that precious about it. I think um, it's important to, to share things within this industry and, ease the pain a bit and alternatively um when i wanted to to improve i used there's some great online websites um for external professionals like superprof or fiverr um where you can get online remote uh lessons in autocad and it's really not that expensive and they can just get right down to the point that's what i did i said i want to get my my drawings from here to here um 
and they and had a, a class with them twice a week, an hour a week. And I think within the space of three weeks, I, I had that level of documentation that I wanted. Um, so it's that, you know, being able to pick someone's ear that is a professional um, because we, we our time is limited. Um, and I think there's, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to try and ruin your pride by um, trying to do it all yourself. But um, there are people out there who will lend a helping hand. So don't, don't be afraid of, of asking questions and ultimately just, just get started um, with it. It's, it is, you know, it is time consuming. Um, it is a big daunting task, but um, just get started in any, any way, in any form. Uh, like I said earlier, as any information is good information. So get an Excel spreadsheet, make sure you're putting in the usernames and passwords, the vital information, um, then start building up from there. Um, for your, for your floor plans and things, you know, use a piece of paper, start drawing some symbols on it, and then you can start looking at software and thinking and seeing how you're going to put those symbols on there and trial and error. It's going to, it's going to be a process of trial and error. So trying a, one way of doing it, going through a project, make and make sure that you make notes along the way of how it could have been better and then evaluating and improving at the end of it. But um, just, just get started and right away because it impacts every project. Um, so if you've got, you've got three projects in the pipeline and you go through all three of them without the level of documentation, then that's, that's three more headaches down the line or, you know, three potential loss of earnings. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to like to say another great source of information is obviously Cedia. Cedia have got some really good um, documents and courses on design and documentation. Um, I know they even do like an introduction to CAD as well as um, design thinking and other other documents um, that can help you in the start of a process. Um, I'm also working with um, Ben Davies at Smart Homies, along with a few other guys. Um, we're just starting up the Home Tech Coalition, um, basically for installers, by installers. Um, and the basis of that is going to be helping people that have either been in the industry a long time um, or predominantly newcomers to the industry um, and providing them with open source material, um, such as you know, down the line, it will be things like symbol libraries and um, templates um, to, to help them in any, any aspect of the business. Great idea. Ring are on a mission to make the home install market a bit better for installers and their customers. Introducing Ring X-Line. With six exclusive bundles available via AWE only to X-Line accredited dealers, X-Line combines world-leading security products with a lifetime Ring Protect subscription and an extended four-year limited warranty, all for a one-off cost. To find out more, visit connect.awe-europe.com forward slash X-Line. Let the pros lend a hand. Thank you, John and Stephen. Really enjoyed that. Some great advice in there too for listeners. If you enjoyed the show, then please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter at IntHomePod, Instagram at IntegratedHomePod, and Facebook and LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony, Ring, and distributed by Meridian. We are a Wildwood production.
The integrated home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.